This is Eric Likes Animals, and today we're going to do a wee little toe dip into our first conservation conversation, as well as meeting a nocturnal mammal that's going to tap its way right into your heart. Welcome to Eric Likes Animals. I'm your host, Eric Mahan. I hope everybody is happy and staying healthy right now. I myself had a pretty good week. I hope you did as well. With Super Bowl Sunday, I got to eat a lot of junk food, which is pretty awesome. And I'm pretty hungry right now, but not really the best time to eat while recording a podcast. So let's just get right into it. That way I can go and get some nachos. As I said at the beginning of the show, I really wanted to do a little toe dip into a conservation conversation, really. Uh, with a new segment I'm going to refer to as Conservation Corner. This is going to be a segment that probably isn't going to happen during every episode, but every so often when I see a really cool conservation conversation that I want to talk about that I think all of you guys will enjoy as well. So without further ado, our first Conservation Corner conversation is going to be algae purifiers or algae air filters, which is actually something that's been around for a couple of years now, but it hasn't, unlike a couple other conservation projects, really I felt ever got its true lime in the sunlight, really got a lot of attention because it's a really amazing, very innovative idea. And the basic concept is that it's a pump that's pumping air through a canister or tube that's filled with algae and water that then helps scrub out carbon dioxide. Yes, the evil carbon dioxide that we always talk about during global warming. It's going to kill us all and it's coming out of our cars. That carbon dioxide gets converted into oxygen from the algae because what algae is most closely related to is plants. So it also needs CO2 and converts it to oxygen. Amazing. But you still might be thinking to yourself, um, like, why don't we just plant a bunch of trees? And you would be right. We should just plant a bunch of trees. Trees have amazing properties that far exceed just basically scrubbing carbon dioxide out of our air. But there's one thing algaes do have over trees, and that's efficiency. Because the truth about carbon dioxide right now is it's still being created at alarming rates. Our technology hasn't caught up quite yet to make an electric car as efficient as a gas vehicle that is easily affordable for all consumers, as well as tons of energy needed to just power our nations. So we're still burning tons and tons and tons of fuel that produce tons and tons of carbon dioxide, as well as most of these trees really should have been planted like 10, 15, 20 years ago for it to truly take any sort of major effects right now. Doesn't mean we shouldn't stop planting them. It just means that if we want solutions now, we need to look in innovation, such as algae filters. Because like I said, algae is way more efficient at trees in scrubbing out CO2 and turning it into oxygen so much so that some algae is anywhere from 25 times, 100 times, even up to 400 times more efficient at scrubbing CO2 per its total weight. That if you had a glob of algae the same weight as a tree, 
it would be 400 times more efficient than that tree is in scrubbing out CO2 from our air and changing it to oxygen. Thus, the concept of algae air purifiers. Also, I should just take a quick note to say that algae in its natural environment can be dangerous. Too much algae can throw the balance off a lake. Taking all that carbon dioxide and putting too much oxygen in, as well as just sucking up all the nutrients that other plants in the environment need, is actually extremely dangerous. And there's actually deadly algae for a ton of fish out there. So don't just fill up your lake full of algae. That is why they're putting them in canisters in kind of a nutrient solution away from its natural lakes and rivers and all of that sort of stuff. Algae purifiers are currently being used in Mexico and especially in China, as well as we just recently had a company open up in the U.S. where you can get your own cute little personal algae filter for your home. They come in many shapes and sizes. Uh, there's some that are being built over overpasses uh, where there's a lot of carbon dioxide from the trucks and cars driving by. Some factories are testing out the technology by pumping some of the CO2 that they produce into some algae filters to reduce the amount of carbon they themselves are releasing. I've also seen in some office buildings where they have kind of like a box that houses it in the front of the office building near the doors that will help clean any air that's coming from the outside, especially in very smoggy cities. Also, if I'm remembering correctly, there's a really cool looking almost piece of artwork that is in Mexico that has the algae filters kind of within almost a metal tree that is placed in a very trafficy area to help scrub all the CO2 being produced from the cars driving by. Sounds amazing, right? But it doesn't stop just there. Algae has a lot of amazing products that can be used from it. Because eventually you do need to harvest the algae from those tubes. It can all of a sudden outgrow its surroundings. Some of the things that we're already using algae for are cosmetics, replacements for plastics, food for humans, and also food for animals, biofuel, vegetable oil, fertilizer, and wastewater treatment, just to name a few. So it doesn't just stop at scrubbing the CO2 out of the air. It also can help with many different benefits. So what does the future look like with these algae filters? Well, first off, still doesn't replace trees. We got to keep planting trees, but this can greatly help reduce our CO2 output and can help get us to the day where our technology finally catches up that greener practices are as efficient, if not more, than our more, well, environmentally bad practices. But uh, one of the really cool designs I saw out there, because there's a couple different algae filter purification designs to kind of incorporate them into cities a lot better, was actually replacing street lights with algae filters. And the best way I can describe how these street lamps are going to look is like really cool, groovy, futuristic lava lamps. The idea would be that you would have a pump on these things, pumping air from the outside, going through a big tube full of green algae, and it's bubbling the air through. There would be lights to help grow the algae as well as light the street. Also, many of them have the idea of having solar panels on top of them to help power the lights, the pump, 
which definitely helps out being more eco-friendly. Also, being connected to the city, they could also add in pipe systems and making all of the maintenance on the street lamps very automated that you could literally flush these things out with just a flip of a switch and refill them with nutrient-rich uh, water, which also brings up the point of that you can use wastewater. Now, I do want to say that I don't know too much about waste facility. It's just kind of going through the ideas that have been thrown around with these algae filters, but the idea is that instead of the algae helping filter out the water at the waste treatment plant, you could simply use that very, let's say, nutrient-rich water, as gross as it sounds, and pump that back into the street lamps and help grow algae there. Then when it's done, you simply flip the switch, it gets pumped back out, you stream out the algae, you use it for multiple things, and the water then goes through the rest of the treatment process, helping out in a process that's already there and not taking excessive water from other places. Now, you may be thinking, how many streetlights are there in most cities? And looking it up, Philly, for example, has 100,000 street lamps. Now, the street lamp design is not as big as a tree, so it's not like you're going to get like, well, I can't do math right now, but 400 million trees or something like that. <laughs> but more uh, effectively, at least 400,000 trees of efficiency by simply switching over every single street lamp of Philly into the groovy algae lamp filters. All right, so that was our first conservation corner conversation. Hope you guys enjoyed talking about algae filters. Like I said, I'm not going to do this every single episode, especially because, as you can tell, it definitely extends the episode by quite a bit. And I don't want you guys to have to deal with that every single time. Because I know the main event is what you're really looking forward to, which is the species we're going to talk about. Like I said at the beginning, today's species of the day is going to be a nocturnal mammal from Madagascar that I did promise is going to tap its way into your heart, and that's because it is the very cool Ai. Ai's aren't just a nocturnal primate, but considered the world's largest nocturnal primate, weighing in at a whopping four to six pounds when they reach adulthood. These guys are considered lemurs. Lemurs are only found on the island of Madagascar. And normally when you look at islands, that's where it kind of gets pretty cool when it comes to animal adaptations. For example, IIs have also been referred to as the woodpeckers of Madagascar. Being that there aren't anything like woodpeckers found on Madagascar, a lot of time animals fill those so-called niches. And in this case, the II is filling the niche of the woodpecker. IIs are considered omnivores, and they eat both fruit and insects, but it's not the fruit that gave it all its weird adaptations. First off, being nocturnal, it does have very big eyes. The other thing it has to help out in the darkness is big ears, but those ears aren't just for listening for predators like its natural predator, the fusa, but also helping it to listen to bugs in the trees. And how it can listen for the bugs in the trees is that IIs have this specialized middle finger. And most primates to me kind of look like they have a little bit of a creepy witch hands to them. But IIs, this finger is probably 
the creepiest. <laughs> I love these guys, but this finger does kind of freak me out a little bit. Uh, the middle finger on the eye eyes are much longer and actually extremely skinny compared to the rest of its fingers. And it's also double jointed because what it uses that finger for is it sits there and it rapidly taps on tree branches and sticks and it's listening like a woodpecker does for any sort of hollow sounds or any sort of signs of grub or bug activity within the wood. Once eyes have kind of pinpointed a location where they think there's bugs or grubs deep within the wood, out comes the buck teeth. That's right, eyes actually have big buck teeth just like rodents, for example, squirrels. And actually that's what scientists originally thought eyes were, were giant squirrels because of their big buck teeth. With those big buck teeth, they can shred through wood pretty quickly and throw splinters and wood chunks everywhere as they're doing it, which is also why eyes actually have a third eyelid that acts like goggles to help protect themselves just like lumberjacks would when cutting into a tree. Once the eyes have kind of burrowed deep enough within the tree, out comes that spindly little finger again, and besides using it to locate the food, it is also their main utensil because the eye eye then will stick its little finger within the hole it created and scoop out the juicy grub with inside and get a delicious snack. After all that mess it made, the eye eye might want to clean itself up and out comes claw number two, the toilet claw. It's a pretty gross name and you might think that it's for, well, Wiping itself, which sounds pretty dangerous to do, especially if you're a boy eye eye with a claw. But this is something that a lot of different primates have, and it is just basically a comb, which can help just brush out the wood chunks or pieces of leaves or, well, chunks of grub that it might get on its fur to just clean itself up a little bit. The last appendage I do want to talk about with the eye eye, because yes, it has another cool one, is actually its toes. The two back toes on it are quite large and are opposable, kind of like human and their thumbs. And with all that dexterity, it is actually able to hang just by its feet upside down, which is really great if there is a stick or a berry or something not quite in a good position because unlike certain primates, its tail is definitely not prehensile, which means that it can't use its tail to just simply wrap around a tree branch and hang on to get to things. It needs to have really fancy feet, which makes those toes perfect for the tree-dwelling animal that the eye is. Eye-eyes will also build nests that they will sleep in throughout the day, which can be found high up within the treetops, making trees very important for the eye and why a lot of the major conservation efforts going on for the eye is actually to stop the deforestation of Madagascar. There's a number of reasons why deforestation is happening in Madagascar, um, but one I want to talk about is the deforestation for farming purposes, such as sugarcane, coconuts, but actually one of the big ones is vanilla beans, because a lot of these products aren't even being grown for the people that live there. They're actually being grown and shipped all around the world, especially vanilla beans. Vanilla beans come from a vanilla orchid, which needs very warm, very humid temperatures, which a lot of the rainforests obviously in Madagascar are. Uh, looking up vanilla bean spice, pure vanilla bean spice, there are synthetic versions, but actual vanilla beans can cost upwards of $146.99 a pound. 
holy crap. <laughs> All right. This stuff is well worth its weight in gold, pretty much. And why it's so sought after for a lot of people to grow there. But a lot of conservation efforts are kind of pushing towards doing ecotourism. Unfortunately, COVID definitely put a damper on a lot of that sort of stuff. But the ecotourism for people coming to Madagascar and actually seeing these amazing primates helping put a monetary value to the lemurs, making it more monetarily gaining for the locals to keep the lemurs around by providing them a rainforest to live in, then cutting it down to grow these orchid beans. Also, with monetary values going to these lemurs from outside sources, it helped put away a lot of superstition that locals had about the Ai. For example, Ai's were seen as a harborer of evil, a sign of bad luck, and were killed on sight to stop the evil and bad luck for affecting them. But don't you be getting judgy now or pointing your finger at them because we here in the United States also have a species of animal that is going through the exact same thing, and that is our native snake species. People always consider them a sign of evil and also that they are not to be trusted. And people go out of their way to simply kill it, like some guy driving down the road and seeing a poor rattlesnake just trying to catch a few last bits of rays of sunshine before the night will go out of his way to run it over. And all that snake is trying to do is live its best life, just like our good friend, the Ai. Well, that's our show. Hope you guys enjoyed listening about the Ai and also our first conservation corner conversation about algae purifying air filters. Uh, just a couple updates is don't forget that uh, this podcast can be listened to on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And as well, within the next week, I should have a Facebook page open for this. Uh, really, that would just be something where you could also double check if new episodes have premiered as well being a spot that I could post articles that I use to write the podcast. And as well, if you guys have any questions and don't feel like doing the whole email thing at ericlikesanimals at gmail.com, you will be able to check out our new Facebook page that should be Eric Likes Animals, the podcast. But until next time, I'm Eric Mahan, and this is Eric Likes Animals. See ya!